Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Joel Grote, and I don't get to say anything about the intro because that's Lynn's job today. So, <laughs> And I'm Lynn Wilder. We have had such a wonderful series. Yes. This is number five with Teresa Steed. Teresa, thank you for giving us your time and telling your story. Teresa grew up in fundamentalist um polygamy in utah made her way to colorado eventually to warren jeff's compound in texas um, she was one of the underage children removed from their parents and she was away from her husband she was a 10th wife to a husband um, and she's about to tell us how jesus came into her life <laughs> welcome Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Lynn. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I will have to just give a little bit of snapshots or, you know, skip over some of the stuff so that I can get through the rest of this. <laughs> there was a lot going on. And yeah. There was always something happening. But after the raid in Texas, um, I actually moved back to Colorado. Um, then his family, like with Nate's family there, then eventually we moved back to Short Creek to Utah. Um, Nate was sent away. He got kicked out of the community. Wow. Um, okay. Things got more and more bizarre. Warren Jess was sending revelations from prison telling us what we could and couldn't eat. I mean, it got very limited on what we could eat. <laughs> really wow yes so like what at its worst what was the most austere like food measures in terms of your limitations should i just list a few yeah <laughs> the things that well what are, what what were you left allowed to eat we'll assume that pretty much everything else had been forbidden at that point um most fruits and vegetables there was some that were taken out um no potatoes no unprocessed milk so you can drink milk but you can eat cheese and have cottage sheets and stuff like that um let's see no beets um no corn um it got worse and worse no onions i don't know why that one like wow. i i have no idea <laughs> but it got pretty interesting for a while on what we okay. could couldn't eat and all no, this no. is coming from warren he's in prison but he's still through messengers still. through revelations he's still controlling everything yes and there's no I mean, now that people are on the outside, he's in there. There's Is there anybody who's like starting to push back going, does anybody start saying uh, this is starting to go too far or? Um, people were still being sent away from the community. So I don't know, like even that got more and more strange. My mom got sent away and had to leave all of her kids that were still living with her. Um, so like it just, I don't know. And now yeah. knowing some of the stuff I do know now, Sometimes I wonder if it was even Warren doing it or if it was other church leaders that just decided that somebody needs to go. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Um, after living with Nate's family, when he wasn't there, like even when he was there, it was weird enough. It was, mm -hmm. you know, there was always problems, jealousies. I mean, it doesn't work very well to put that many people in one house and try to get to yeah. live without. So like how of... many people were in this house then when you moved back to Short Creek and... It was all 10 of his wife or 11 of his wives and all of his kids that weren't married. Well, he only had oh one heart. daughter that was married. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of us. There was quite a few of us, um, 50, maybe 50 maybe people. Okay. That. In 50. one like very large house, I'm assuming. Yes. yes. But still, that's a lot of people to have under one roof. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a lot of people, but, um, I just kept on feeling like I just couldn't get along with them. I needed to do something else. So I pushed really hard with some church leaders to let me move back up to Colorado. One of my sisters up there was living in her own little house and cooking for a um, construction crew up there. Oh, okay. So I moved up there for one year. Um, after a year, then I realized that I was not very good at homeschooling and I needed some help. So some of my younger sisters were helping teach in a, like a school that was a couple of the families had come together and were teaching or doing school together. So I moved to Cedar City, Utah. Um, by this time, okay. Short Creek um, had been, let's see, the UEP property, the trust that all the property was in that had kind of. I don't know if it had dissolved or what had happened, but they were evicting people that had not. The back taxes on those properties were enormous and nobody was paying it. So oh, wow. okay. they started to evict um, people out of those homes. So a lot of people were moving to the surrounding cities, um, St. George, Cedar City, Hurricane, you know, all those were where a lot of people were moving to. And my sisters were in Cedar. So I moved back to Cedar City, Utah. Okay. Now, um, how many how many children do you have at this point? Because you talked about homeschooling. I, I have two. I okay. forgot to say that I I did have my son when I was eighteen. Okay. Um, so my daughter is sixteen. I have my son um, eighteen. At eighteen, and so they're how old at this point? Then, where you're moving back with your sister? Um, when I moved back to Cedar, then my daughter was in third grade, and my son was just starting first. Okay. So he was probably six and she was eight. So a right. few years ago, Adams Road was invited to bear their testimonies of Christ right right there in the high mm -hmm. school auditorium. And I would say there were probably 50 polygamists that came to hear. And one woman that night actually gave her life to Jesus. But people were telling us that the community had changed quite a bit, right? Because yes. Warren Jeffs was in prison. And I remember one of the things that they told us was that um, the feds had taken the property be probably because of all the back taxes, right? But yeah. then we're offering... Um, like a home that your family lived in back to you, back to a member of your family for a dollar. You know, so the feds decided not to keep the whole town, I'm sure, but to offer it back. And, and that brought back into the community people that weren't necessarily living the polygamous lifestyle, 
but had that name yeah. or, you know, had a family connection. Yeah. And that that was changing the community to open up more, right? And, and that mm -hmm. sometimes folks were finding Christ. All yeah. right. So tell us about you, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where, you know, when I moved back to Cedar, Dan, Nate's um, father, which was Merrill Jessup, um, he had yeah. been a church leader for quite a while. You know, yeah. my mom had married him. You know, well, Nate was sent away, but Meryl was there and I was telling him, well, I want to move to Cedar. I want to move where my sisters are so they can help me with school. And he said, we'll move back in with Nate's family. And I said, no, I can't do that. I cannot move back in with them. And he couldn't understand why, like I tried to explain that he still didn't understand why I couldn't move back in with them. Yeah. So yeah. I actually, um, Nate's oldest son was supposed to help me find a home that I could rent and give me a car. He gave me a car, but he wasn't very helpful. Mm. Um, on, <laughs> I say oldest son, but actually wasn't his oldest son. It was his oldest son that was still there. His oldest okay. son had left the community. So this was his mm. second oldest. All right. Um, he didn't help me very well in finding a house to rent. So I went and found one that was low income. Um, they gave it to me if I would get a job <laughs> within two weeks or whatever. So I went looking for a job for the first time in my life um, around 23, 24 and two kids. So I got a home to live in and found a job um, getting paid a little bit over minimum wage. I was getting paid eight twenty-five, I think okay. an hour. Um, just tried to, figure out how to live life and being more exposed to the outside world and working in the outside world. And, you know, everything was new, strange, different, you know? Yeah. So I, now classic about the compound was like all the women were in the same style dresses, dressing identically hairstyle, having moved away from that, had you started, I mean, were you still dressing like that or had you now started adapting to what was around you? So you didn't draw so much attention to yourself. What was going on there in terms of your own cultural, personal. Um, I life? still dressed in dresses and I went to my interview to get this job and it was at a fast food restaurant. Oh my! The guy, <laughs> the guy told me, he's like, we'll hire you, but can you wear something else? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can wear a shirt and pants. And he said, okay. Yeah, just right. like felt like that would be a hazard in the kitchen, which it probably was. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for a woman, that dress thing is kind of a big deal. When I left mainstream Mormonism and went to a secular state college to work right in Florida, I remember asking a colleague one day, and it must have been 2008, <laughs> um, do I dress like a polygamist? <laughs> I I literally did not know how to negotiate the outside world. So, and I can't imagine what it'd be like coming from as isolated as you were. So you're getting adjusted to fast food life. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, you know, make sure my kids were taken care of them. God has always taken care of me and he had my sisters there so they could watch my kids while I was at work you know, so they were taken care of and I didn't have to pay for a daycare or anything like that. We still had a lot to do with Merrill's 
Jessup's family and mm-hmm. they still okay. did church and they still did, you know, Sunday school at his house. So there was still, you know, rules and stuff a little bit, but everybody was kind of doing their own thing, but, you know, judging each other on, you know, <laughs> somebody walk <laughs> yes. in and see me in shirt and pants and I get judged for it. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was just kind of all strange. So um, you're, you're still and, really then spiritually, socially isolated yes. to a large degree. So sure. how in the world does like God break into all that isolation? Cause it's like the walls are four feet thick and all the way around. And uh-huh. he had the jackhammer through this. So <laughs> he definitely had that. to <laughs> work his way through. Um, well, I'm living in Cedar and, you know, getting paid that much and paying rent and food. I had never done any of that. I'd never had to handle money at all. So doing that, then I'm like, I just need more. So I get a hold of Nate and I tell him that he needs to pay me 300 bucks a month to help me with bills. And anyway, it kind of was a back and forth. Finally, his father, Merrill Jessup, brings me the money. After about three months of it, then I said, listen, I know this isn't coming from Nate. It's coming from you. You're the one paying. You're the one handing me this 300 bucks. He isn't. And we're adults. He's an adult. I'm an adult. You should let him, you know, fight his own battles. <laughs> yes. And um, Merrill got really upset. And by this time, he's pretty old. He's aging. And he's trying to talk to me. And he's coughing. He can hardly get sentences out. And he tells me that the way I'm talking is how an apostate would talk. And at that moment, at that moment, then I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am one. Maybe I am one. Yes, because he's not, because he's not used to having his authority questioned at all. The very fact that you would like challenge him on anything, let alone say, hey, listen, you need to have this happen like this. Yes, totally. I mean, in the normal world, that's kind of how relationships work. We're adults, you're an adult, but within the community, that was not how relationships worked, especially relationships with authority figures like Merrill Jessup, who is, now he was still an authority figure in the church, right? Yes. Even though Nate had been excommunicated. Yeah. Nate had been excommunicated, but Merrill, Merrill was still quite in charge. You know, he was running a lot of stuff. Like people were paying their tithing to him actually at this point, or at least some people were. So yeah, it was kind of so yeah it's because it so this realization now that you maybe are an apostate what does that do to you and your life and the way your outlook was it freeing it was scary but yet like you know in a way that i'm like you know maybe i could let go of some of this stuff Mm. maybe i could figure this out you know because moving into the outside world and you know, letting go of that, like the religion was so ingrained into us that if we did leave, we could, you know, or if we chose something different, then we were condemned to hell forever. So, okay, back up and repeat that because <laughs> that is the case in Mormonism as well, right? Yes. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, that is definitely what was taught to us is that if you chose something different or went any other direction than what the church told you to go you were down to hell forever and wow. there was no salvation for you 
And you were an apostate and that's absolutely the worst. You've got yes. Satan and his minions and apostates. Yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> what did you do first? Did you try anything like coffee? <laughs> um, funny story is the Mormons don't drink coffee. FLDS definitely drank coffee. Okay. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Yes, they drink coffee. So no, I was not trying coffee for the first time. I'd already done that. <laughs> I'd already tried alcohol. Um, not very much of it at all. I didn't ever drink much, but I had at least tasted it. Um, decided so did, I didn't like it. It was nasty. Yeah. <laughs> so did this leave you free to maybe start exploring other spiritual alternatives then? Since um, you're no longer considered faithful? <laughs> Uh, not, I didn't go that direction other than, um, I had gotten my kids doing piano lessons in Cedar and this, um, sweet little lady, she was Mormon, but she taught them piano lessons and she invited us to go to Sunday school because she did primary. She played piano for primary. I'm like, okay, the kids can go. So I take the kids to primary <laughs> and you know, I sit through one primary with them and I'm like, oh yeah, it's very much how we, you know, sing the same songs, you do all the stuff that kind of like we used to when I was little. Well, the second time around, then I'm like, okay, you guys can go to primary. I went and sat in the hall and I could hear the main um, church service going on in the hall. <laughs> and the, the bishop starts talking about the prophet and how he got a revelation last night. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I cannot do this. Oh, wow. That was too <laughs> close cannot, to home. It was just, I'm like, I, I can't do the Mormon thing. It's, I can't sit and listen to somebody tell me that one person gets revelation for everybody. I'm done with that. So, oh. okay. <laughs> um, so I didn't really just go exploring a whole lot. I um, didn't really tell people that I was going to leave because I wanted my kids to finish um, school. Um, so I left a couple months later than I moved up to Gillette, Wyoming, where my dad and some of my brothers lived. So I moved up there hmm. um, and God is amazing. You know, I was upset. I was mad at Nate. I was mad at Meryl. Um, I was mad at... Um, one thing I did try, you wondered if I tried anything. I did try to go on a date that did not go so well. He was nope. still married. <laughs> oh my. The guy was still married and wondering if, oh. if he could date me. And I was mad at him now. Cause why would he do that? He should not try dating if he's still married. <laughs> Meryl's yeah. not your dad, right? Your mom married him at one point, but he's yes. not your father. He's not my, yeah, he's not my father. Okay. Anyway. So when I moved to Gillette, Wyoming, then I had sworn off men. I was not going to try to date. All men just wanted one thing. I was pretty sure that all men just wanted one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not going to date. But I moved up there with my dad and I hadn't seen him in years. It'd been probably seven, eight years. Okay. I don't know. Was wow. he still a practicing polygamist? He's been excommunicated now for a long time. Um, no, he wasn't practicing okay. it. Um, lived there. Uh, I was only there for two months, I think. And <laughs> I met the love of my life. 
although I had sworn off men, but <laughs> decided that I needed to have a man in my life. So <laughs> it all started with how he was with the kids. Then, then he asked, you know, he played with the kids a lot. Um, he was so where did you meet my him? brothers? Okay. He was a friend of my brother's. Um, he had come over to see him from Montana. Then he'd come over to see my brothers in Gillette. And he just was so great with kids and just loved kids. And I was very surprised that he wasn't married and he didn't have a girlfriend because he was four years older than I was. So I was a little surprised. So when he asked but he me, was raised in the polygamy life. Yes, he so. was. Yeah. Okay. He was raised in the this lifestyle as well so we we understood each other's background yeah and stuff like that so I dated him for a little bit moved over here to Montana we got married in 2020 but I'll have to back up a little bit while I was dating him living in Wyoming um I get pulled over my first traffic stop I get pulled over it's oh, 10 man. o'clock at night and the officer comes back up to the window and he says um I need you to step out of the car and I was like oh, wow. what? And he's like you have a warrant for your arrest so I'm, I'm gonna need you to get out of the car <laughs> oh my now did you so, have any idea I started laughing I'm like you've got to be kidding and he's like yeah like I that's uh, for Bear County, Texas, um, is the one that issued it. And I, I was laughing. He probably thought I was nuts, but I'm like that. <laughs> no way. Like, no way. Anyway, I guess I, I had not shown up to one of the court dates and a warrant had been issued for my arrest in 2008. Wow. Nine years later. Wow. I get pulled over and get <laughs> put in jail for this. They put you in jail. (laughs) Okay. So I, um, he takes me to the um, jail and on my way there, I still had my phone in my pocket. I'm cuffed, but I was able to pull it out. And I text the love of my life. I text Jay and I'm like, I got arrested and then (laughs) left it at that. This is a 10 o'clock at night. Oh Oh my. So at least he knows. Uh, where you he are wasn't sh- he, he wasn't sure if it was a joke or not okay <laughs> anyway they gave me one phone call and I opted to call the person that was 10 and my kids and just said listen this is what happened I don't know anyway it was a holiday or something that weekend I don't remember so I ended up spending a couple days in jail before I could before I could post bail mm. um, anyway that was the whole thing I had to go back and forth between Texas trying to get this resolved. And during this time, I I was just upset. I was angry at a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And just like, I couldn't believe that I had gone to jail for Nate. And he had never ended up in prison for this, you know. The thing that he did, <sighs> he didn't pay for the crime. I felt like I was. So I was very upset, very angry. Yeah. That was kind of my thought when you had the restraining order, right? <laughs> it's like, wait a wait, second, I'm the one who's wrong here. Yeah. And we're down to like our last two minutes. So Oh my goodness again. <laughs> so Teresa, get us to a point where I don't know, either I guess leave us with a cliffhanger. So so what <laughs> I get 
um, invited to a Christian church service <laughs> during this time when I am angry at a lot of things. And while you're having to go back and forth between Texas, Texas and and solve this issue of you know them having a warrant for my arrest for not um, basically it was for not giving my daughter's DNA, not providing the DNA from her. Okay, yeah. Is what it was, so. Yeah, so I I got invited to a church service, so that's where we'll start next time. (laughs) Wow, okay. And obviously you said yes to going. I did, well, uh, yes, I did say yes that I would go. Um, It wasn't like, it was actually my sister that had invited me. Um, She had gone. And she's like, you really got to come. And I'm like, okay, I'll come with you. So All right. I, I went with her. <laughs> and that's where we're going to end this week's podcast. So next time. Amazing Maybe. God. Wow. Yes, amazing God. And amazing he how he puts people together, right? Yeah. It is. It is truly amazing. At a very hard time in my life, your story is is really encouraging, right? Yep, God's there, (laughs) yes. He knows you, yes. He'll reach out to you, yes. He's he's got it all taken care of, right? He's working behind the scenes even when we don't even know what scene it is. (laughs) And as you're a Christian a little bit longer, you don't care as much about circumstances, right? You just need to know that he's there. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. (laughs) That's so true. All right. And in Teresa's life, he is. And yes, so next time, we're going to hear how Jesus and Teresa got connected. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, my friends. Grace and peace. Until next time, Joe. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.